This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. He, he wants <laughs> nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of the Mike Missanelli Podcast. Today, a one-on-one sit-down conversation with Phil's manager, Rob Thompson. And we talk about an abundance of baseball topics, including the state of the Phillies right now and what their lineup plans might be for next year. We talk about what makes a great manager and why Rob Thompson is such a good manager for this team. We'll talk about Rob's special bond with JT Real Muto, catcher and catcher. And last but not least, we will talk about the possible mistakes that may have cost the Phillies the NLCS, the inflexible lineups, the questionable bullpen decisions, and Johan Rojas. Stay tuned. Buckle your seatbelt. Here is our conversation with Phil's manager, Rob Thompson. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome, everybody, to the Mike Missanelli Podcast. It is a beautiful Friday, and we have a special guest today. It doesn't get any bigger than our next guest as we kind of take a break from football season and all this eagle angst. We welcome in uh, the, the great manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. Of course, around these parts, he's known as Philly Rob, the great Rob Thompson joins us. Rob, how are you feeling today? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you today? And I'm really Fantastic. happy to be on. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays to you. And uh, so what are you doing these uh, Where are you right now uh, in your offseason? And how do you spend your offseason? Um, I travel around a little bit for the ball club. So I'm in Philadelphia um, two or three times during the course of the winter. Right now I'm in, at home, in, at my home in Canada. I have a home in Philly as well. Um, but you know, we've got winter meetings we have to go to. There's, um, our local caravan that I'll be in Philly for during the off season. So I'm, I'm moving around a little bit, but nothing really, no personal holidays, anything like that. So the holiday season in Canada, it's like what you spent your whole life, right? Yeah, but we got no snow. We haven't any snow all winter, so it's (laughs) kind of weird. There's no snow in Canada either? No, none. Oh my God! Uh, I, th- I thought you would be a guy that would would go to Florida for a couple of weeks during the holidays to get warmed up, but Canada is in your blood, so yeah, I respect it. Is. Uh, Rob, uh, let's talk about um, your off season routine as far as baseball goes. I know you're you're involved in in a lot of winter meetings. Uh, are are you one of these guys now that like every day that you're at home, you go in your home office, uh, you're putting together lineups in your head? Not every day. I mean, I, I, I have a tough time working from home as it is. I, I feel a lot better being at the ballpark. But really, it's just um, a little bit of keeping up with players. Um, our staff keeps up with them. Um, Paul Bukite, our, our um, training coordinator, and, and Morgan, our strength and co- conditioning coordinator, they're always talking to these guys. So I get, I get updates from them. 
um, Kevin Long and, and, and Caleb are always talking to our pitchers or position players. I get updates from them. And I, I just keep in touch with people and uh, talk to Dave every couple of days and just keep updated. So you don't detach yourself completely from baseball. Like you need a refresher. It's a long season and, and it's time consuming. Do you, do you take the time to completely detach? Um, not really. I'm, I mean, I'm always kind of in, involved or, or tapped into what we're doing because I don't want to be caught off guard. Um, and Dave's really good at communicating that. And, and I just want to keep keep in touch with people and keep stay in the loop. So occasionally will you pick up a phone and call one of your players just for the hell of it? Yeah, I talked to um, Nick the other day and I talked to Schwarber the other day and I've been texting JT and and um, and Harp and, you know, just a bunch of guys. Just when they come into my mind and I just want to say hello, I, I, I shoot a message out to them. You seem to have this special bond going with JT, not only during the season, but I guess in the offseason as well. Uh, and it's that language, I guess, that, that catchers speak. What is it about JT that connects you and him? Um, I think it's just his overall uh, talent. I mean, he's such an athlete, um, wrestler, basketball, football, baseball, you name it. He's the best at it. And um, he was he was a guy that I would always think of as who I'd want to be behind the plate. You know, can really move, can really throw, can hit. Um, but the other part of it is that he cares so much about his pitching staff. And, uh, you know, when he, he knows he's catching most days, and when he does, he's usually the first guy there. And he's the first thing he does is he's looking at how that particular starter that night's going to attack the, the lineup. So he, he cares a great deal, and he wants to win, and, and he's hungry. Talking to Rob Thompson. Rob, uh, you know, there's a finality and a reality that sets in when when you lose a, a high-profile playoff series, like a World Series or a, an LCS. And uh, the average fan goes, oh, we got to blow things up. But the baseball guy looks at it and goes, we're still really good. Yeah. And we just need to add some things. To add. So you, you just add to the plan and you hope to come back a, as a better team. Now, I assume the Braves are going through that crazily after losing to you guys twice in a row that we're not going to have to beat them. We need to do X. So, so right now when you look at your team and, and how you lost in the NLCS, what does Rob Thompson think the team needs to add to get to that next step? Well, I think uh, what, as far as our core players are concerned, I, I think we're, we're set. I mean, Dave and, John and Sam have done a great job putting that core group together. And they're not only talented physically, but mentally and emotionally, it's it's probably one of the best groups I've ever been around. You know, they have a lot of fun, but they really compete. And I think really where we're at right now is just just um, gaining a little bit around the edges. You know, um, we don't have any big pieces that we need to go get. You know, if a, if a reliever falls in our lap or an outfielder falls in our lap, then we'll, we'll probably act on it, or we would act on it. But... I don't think um, we're not certainly not going to blow this up and panic because we have a really good team. and We have a team that um, I really thought um, once we got once we got up to nothing against um, Arizona, I really thought we had a, a great, great chance. So, I, you know, I don't think that there's any reason to blow this thing up. Um we're going to get to that in a second and, and kind of the things that happened uh, in that playoff series. But um, when you look at the, you yourself go. Where were we? Where were we short? Where were we short in that series? What was your conclusion? Well, I think that um, uh, they they made an adjustment with their pitching staff and and, and um, they shut down our offense a little bit, but they did a did a good job. And um, you know, we had some 
uh, a couple issues with the bullpen, but that happens over the course of a year. It happens in the playoffs, and, and yeah, you just have to keep battling, and you have to have to keep getting after it, and you know, forget about it. And, and I think our guys, for the most part, have a really um, short memory, and they they move on to the next day. And you know, um, we just they just caught us at a bad time, and they did a really good job. Whose memory is shorter, the players or the manager and his coaches, when it comes to that? Oh, I don't know. I think it's uh, case by case. Uh, you know, it's it's still eating away at me. But um, you know, once we get to spring training, or we, once we get to the new year, anyway, we gotta we gotta turn it off. Keep start moving forward here. Let's talk about your career a little bit. Um, you know, a kid from Canada, finds himself in, in professional baseball, and, and you become a, a baseball lifer. Really, uh, did you think that was going to be what you did with your life's work? Uh, that's a good question. Like I was. I always thought I was a really good player when I was in college. And once I turned professional, I found out I wasn't uh, all that good. So, um, or not as good as some of these younger, more athletic guys. So at that moment, I didn't think I was going to be a lifer. I'll tell you that. But um, once I got into coaching and once I got with the Yankees, I was very fortunate being around a lot of great, great people that taught me a lot. And, and I got some breaks here and there. And, um, you know, just, just stayed after it and had the, support of my wife and my family and, and that's a huge deal too so um you know i just stayed after it and, and caught some breaks and and here we are so the game kind of sucked you in it does to a lot of baseball people you just baseball is something that that really uh, infects you and, and you wind up just keep going along for the ride so here you are behind the scenes many years uh especially with the yankees and what were your aspirations at that point i think when i was with the yankees it was more about about managing, you know, um, but I never wanted to get off the fact that I had a job to do and I needed to get it done. And my father always told me that, you know, when, you, when you're out there, you always have goals and, and future goals. But if you focus too much on that, you're going to forget about what you're supposed to do today and you're going to lose your job and then you're not going to have a chance to reach those goals. So I always, I always focused on that. And, uh, and I think once I came to Philly, um, my mind shut down on managing to tell you the truth. I just thought, well, it's probably not going to happen. You know, I'm 55 years old or whatever I was at the time. And, um, let's just be the best, best guy I can be the best bench coach I can be. And, and let's just move on from there. So that would have been okay with you. Yeah. If I had never, you wouldn't, have, you, you wouldn't have left the game had you not gotten a managerial job. Like for instance, Girardi gets, gets fired early and you get the interim job, and now it comes up where they're going to have to make a decision on giving you the full-time job. Had they not given you that full-time job, would you have retired from baseball? Yeah, I think so. Because it, it wouldn't have been another manager's job. It would have been back to being the bench coach. And, it, and at the end of that season, I was planning on retiring anyway because um, I had done the job for so many years. It just, I felt like I was just getting a little bit stale. We were doing the same thing over and over. I just felt like I just need to re-energize and, and it might be better for the club that if a younger, um, younger guy come in with some more ideas, different ways to do drills would just spice things up. Yeah. You know? So, uh, so did you have any idea what you would have done had you left baseball? No, not really. Um, you know, certainly take some time off and figure out whether this was something that um, I really wanted to do. Maybe there was another job out there. But I had always told my wife when I first started coaching, I think I started coaching at like 25 or something, that, you know, 
I'm not going to be a guy that I'm not going to coach till I'm 75 or 80. We're going to, once I'm done, I'm done. And we're going to, um, you know, we're going to travel and do some things that are fun. And so she supported that. And, and I was about to support her. And then all of a sudden I get the manager's job and, um, and I'm now I'm just completely rejuvenated. I'm, uh, I love the job. I love the people that I work for, the people I work with. Um, and I, I really don't want to be anywhere else. It's almost like it starts your life completely over. Yeah. First of all, what kind of, what kind of a player were you, and when did you realize that it wasn't going to happen for you as a player? You were a catcher yeah, a and catcher. played a little third base. I assume you had a, you had a good arm. Yeah, I could throw a little bit, and I, I could catch, and I could call a game. Um, uh, defensively, I was fine. I, I just I just couldn't really hit all that much, and, and um, I I thought that the catching I I thought I'd, I'd be a better hitter than I was coming out of college, but. Once I came out of college and went to minicamp, rookie minicamp, and see these other catchers that are, I'm 23, 22 at the time, and they're 18, 19 years old, I'm like, yeah, yeah I, I can I can evaluate a little bit, you know? So you, you saw the, the reality. It, it, not many people can look within themselves and see that. This, this is with the Tiger organization, right? Yes. They drafted you? Yes. Okay. Uh, so, so now uh, let's fast forward because you, you've been around so long and you're able to observe what reaches players. I, I, I've been in, so I had 30 year, uh, uh, career in Philadelphia media. So I've been in a lot of Philly clubhouses and observed a lot of managers. And one of the things I used to observe about Charlie Manuel is that it wasn't the, the brilliant strategist that he was. He made the players in that clubhouse feel like they were the best players in the world. And they took that confidence on the field. And, and I always thought that was really the key to being a manager. Now, you have seen so many stages of what a manager does. How would you define yourself as your, your philosophy as, as it, what works as a manager? Well, I think it's the trust in the players and, and your staff that they have. And then I think you try to, you know, it's a, it's a cliche. You put them, try to put them in the best spot um, possible to, so they can succeed. But but I think that you have to have some empathy because this is a really tough game and guys go through ups and downs all year long. And I think you have to be there for them. Um, you have to hold them accountable, but you have to support them. Uh, and I think that's where the, where the trust comes out. But um, um, I understand. I mean, I just told you uh, what I thought about my playing career. So I think you have to understand and you can't forget about how difficult this game is at all times. You seem to be a guy that really focuses on, on, on transmitting trust in your players that they appreciate. And when they appreciate it, they can play freely without being mentally cloistered. Um, so, um, and, and that's the way Joe Torre did, did it a lot. Would you say that he had the biggest influence on you as a manager on how to handle players? I think so, because I, I think just our, um, the way we go about life, Joe and I, is very similar, you know. It's not about laying blame. It's about, you know, about looking inward and, and seeing what you can do better to make a player better or make a situation better or make a team better. So I think, I think Joe and I are very similar in that way. And I, I think Joe and I are very similar in the fact that, you know, let's keep everything calm and let's, let's work these problems out instead of sitting here and pointing fingers at each other and yelling at each other. So uh, I think I have a lot of the same characteristics as Joe, sure. 
here's an example of what I'm talking about. I'm going to give you both sides of this. Because a lot of pe people criticized you down the stretch for being inflexible, not changing the lineup. The other side of that is if you're trying to manage a player's trust, that when you change the lineup and they come in and see the lineup change, all of a sudden it's in their head now. And they become less confident as a player. I assume your strategy is to make them feel as comfortable. Don't make them panic by seeing that they've been moved down or moved around in the lineup. Would that be accurate? I think so. And I think that whenever you do something like that, you know, it's, it's probably been in, on your mind for a while. So you start, um, you start having some conversations with, with a player if, if you know that that's coming. Um, and then really the, the other part of it is the timing of it. Is that the right time? No, I mean, Nobody really knows when the right time is to shake up the lineup or um, take your closer out of his role or anything like that. Because, so I, I try to give it time and I try to give, have a lot of patience and, and try to let these guys work through it. And if they work through it, then you really got them. Now, now you've really got their trust. You've seen the change in the player's mindset from over the years, I, I assume. And this is an era where you, you can't really treat you can't be old school enough to get them mad at you uh so how did you strike that kind of balance it's not the old, like the old days that you know like the, even 93 phillies would come in after a game talk about the game drink a few beers stay there at two o'clock they had that kind of different clubhouse thing these guys come in they got other lives blah 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 and you have to treat them a different way did did you notice that trend when did you notice that trend coming into the game and do you use that as part of your evaluation process yeah i don't know when they're uh, you know, like I don't have a date when, when I saw the trend, but I, I do see a little bit of a trend where, you know, people are in, in a good way. People, players stand up and they go, Hey, I'm a grown man. You don't need to talk to me that way. You don't need to, to turn over the, the spread to get my, to get my attention. You can do it another way. So um, that's kind of the approach that I make. And, and there are times when you have to be firm. And so when you are firm um, and that's not tipping over a, a spread, but when you are firm, they listen. They straighten up in their chair because it doesn't happen every day. Um, and I think with our clubhouse especially, they those guys take care of themselves. And there there are some big voices in that clubhouse when something goes wrong, they, they can corral it. Yeah, that's what Charlie used to always say. Man. Charlie was never afraid to put a boot in somebody's ass, as he would say <laughs> it. But he had that he had that respect where, he, you know, they trusted him enough where if he really did that, then – they knew that uh, he was serious about it. Uh, so uh, let, let's look back a little bit because I know you've said that you don't, you didn't watch any of the NLCS, and I can see why. Because watching that thing, uh, if you're a manager, especially and so personally invested, you mean the world would bring you some pain, and you try, you try to avoid the pain. H have you, have you still not looked back at any of those games? No, I, the World Series, I didn't look back on. Oh, the World Not Series. The so what, the NSCS, you did look back on. Yeah, so I've, I've looked at, back on some clips and, and tried to figure out, you know, what, what happened there, whether it was good, whether it was bad, just sort of a post-mortem on, on the whole thing. But it's just it's not just the playoffs. We, as a staff, we, we do that on a daily basis. So that's sort, sort of part of our routine. So what, are you haunted by any second guesses? You look back and say, you know, I really should have done this. Um, Instead of that, not really, because I mean, any decision we make, we um, there aren't most of them we make as a as a group, whether it's Caleb and myself or Kevin and myself. Um, 
there's always a reason why we do things or not do things. Um, and I'm not going to get into it, but um, yeah, there's a, there's a few things that I, I regret, but you know, there always is. Just let me bring up just a couple of things. Cause I, the general thing is you got the big bats didn't hit It's simple as that in six and seven, they shut you down offensively. And, and then the bullpen uh, really was a little bit fry that you were trying to use and trying to manipulate it. But let's go like uh, game four. When, when the plan was to go Sanchez and Taiwan Walker and you stay completely away from Walker and then uh, Sanchez blows up and then you've got to use your bullpen to get 20 outs. Mm -hmm. When you look at that, what do you think? Um, well, we, yeah, it was a, it was a tough game, but I thought that, you know, we were, we were in it the whole way and, and we had to go to our best people at the time. And then I felt like Taiwan at that moment with the score and the game situation, he was best suited for emergency extra innings because I knew that we were going to go through our top bullpen guys to get, get through nine innings. So uh, that's why we stayed away from Ty. But, um, yeah, and, and it just, you know, it just didn't work out. And, and you used Hoffman early in that game, which yeah. meant that you had to take a chance with Kirkering. And you look back at that, you're okay with that decision? Well, at that time, he was actually throwing the ball pretty good. And, um, you know, it just um, – you know, just just sped up on him a little bit, but um, but he's a pretty level-headed kid, and we're really looking uh, forward to his future. But um, you know, it is what it is. You make decisions, you got to live with it, and you got to answer the question. All right, last one, and because I, I don't want to get on your nerves with this, but I have to, I have to ask these. I know people are going to want me to ask that the Rojas situation, mm -hmm. where he's one for twenty-seven, the bases are loaded. A lot of people are saying you have to hit for him in that situation. You allow him to go up with a chance to crack the game open, uh, and he doesn't deliver. That decision, when you replay it, it was that the right move to keep him in there? Well, whether it was the right move or not, the reason behind it was that they had a lefty available in the pen. So if we go to Cave, who was our left-hand pinch hitter, they just bring the left in. And then we got to, if we really want to write on on left uh, matchup, then we got to go to Pache. So you've burned Cave. So he's gone. He's gone for the next five innings, the rest of the game. And I just and there was two out at the time. So I just felt like it was a little bit too early and, and too big of a um, a gamble um, to take Rojas out of the game right there. I, I had as much confidence in Rojas as either one of the other guys at that point. You did at the, even at that position, yeah. at that spot where he looked completely overmatched. Yeah, I did. Okay. I, listen, I, I, that's a straight answer. Um, I, you know, I look at it and I go, maybe Pache against the lefty is a better matchup than having Rojas stay in that situation. And people are going to say that for, for a lot of sure. years. And that's what makes baseball great okay. because you, uh, you go back and forth on decisions. So now let's look ahead now as we, as we go into this season on, what the situation looks like for you right now. And I know some moves could be made or whatever, but right now, what is your center field left field situation? Well, it'll all depend on Rojas. And I'm, I'm hoping that, that, um, you know, Rojas has a good, good sp uh, spring with the bat and he wins that job because he, he changes the game uh, defensively for sure. And, um, but he's not, you know, we haven't given him that spot. He's got to earn it. And if, if it looks like he's struggling, then, then he needs more bats and, and then Marsh would move over in the center field, and, and we still have Cave and, and Pache for left. So um, I think we're 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 set up really good. The the one thing we've done here in the last couple of years, not necessarily me, but the front office, they've created a lot of depth through 
you know, free agent signings, but also some 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 trades that nobody really thought much about. So you get Marsh, you get Pache, um, you get Sosa, you get all these little trades that um, really, uh, at the end of the day, they create a lot of talent and a lot of flexibility, and that's good to have. Okay, so if Rojas doesn't cut it as a starter, Marsh is your center fielder, you would then platoon Pache and Cave. If Rojas does take the job, would Marsh be your everyday left fielder? Yeah, I think so, and and because I I think this guy's going to be able to hit left-handed pitching. Um, he did at times during the course of year be able to do that. Now there'll be days when you got to give him a uh, you know day off, just get him off his feet one, but also maybe you you line it up against a really tough lefty. But um, but I think I think Marshy's going to be able to hit left-handers, and I, I really like his game. Uh, let's look now at the bullpen, maybe, and then I'll get along to the rotation. Uh, you, you probably could use a couple guys in the back end, at least a reliable guy. Uh, Kimbrell's no longer going to be there. We don't know what we're going to get at. We, we know we're going to get at Alvarado. I think he was just, just a little tired at the end. Yeah. But then you have uh, the Soto question and whether you're going to use Kirkering, whether you can still rely on Hoffman. Are you guys uh, looking for another guy who can handle uh, a, a late-inning uh, high-leverage role? Um, I think if he lands in our lap, sure, we'd, we'd take another guy. I think you have to be careful with options because we don't have many guys with options down there. And, yet, and there are times during the course of the year where you got to flip guys out. If, if you've got eight guys in your bullpen without any options, you're gonna you're gonna lose somebody to another team. So, so you gotta you gotta balance that out as well. But but we still have you know we still have Connor Brogdon and, and Bilotti and, and Ortiz who did a nice job. We're hoping that Kirkering. Um, can grab onto that, you know, that spot and be a high-end guy. Um, you know, so Marte's still in, in our uh, minor league system. So we, we've got a lot of, of depth, a lot of flexibility, and I don't think we have to really go out and, and search and, and, and uh, put the full-court press on any high-end reliever. Um, but, if it, but if it comes down to it before spring training and somebody falls on our lap, we certainly take them. So you don't feel you need a, a closer per se. No, I don't but think you'll so. have enough guys. We, yeah, we, we've got we've got five or six guys down there that have high end stuff and, and have have kind of pitched in that role. So I'm I'm comfortable with that. All right. What about the right hand? You could you probably use some right handed thump. And other people were looking at the best case scenario. You sign Reese to another year. You get that right handed power bat in there, and then Harper would have to go to right field. When that was discussed, that was not uh, the best option for you guys. Yeah, I think um, I think one. Uh, I think Harper's going to be a maybe a, a Gold Glove candidate at some point, just because of the uh, the way he came in and he he took to it really quickly, and uh, he's got great actions and he he works his tail off. So uh, I think for the long term, I think that was probably the best thing. And um, yeah, I, and I think our with the way our lineup is right now, yeah, we'd take some right hand thump, no doubt. But the way our lineup is, um, I think I think we. If we started the season today, um, we'd score a lot of runs. I think I think the young guys, Marsh and Scott and and Bohm are, are just going to get a little bit better uh, as they age, and, and uh, we have that really good core um, group that with the experience that uh, surrounding them. So I think I really like the way we're um, the way we're built right now. 
I, listen, I think most fans are loving this era, era of Philly baseball. Once they got over the disappointment of the Arizona series, now now you're back and you're still going to be a, a viable contender. So the only thing left is the fifth starter position. Um, you've got a couple options. Christopher Sanchez is still there. But do you believe any of these young kids would be ready? Like you're ready to take a chance with Painter. Is anybody left uh, as a young pitcher going to be in contention for that for that fifth spot? Or uh, you know, a lot of people. There's still a couple major free agents out there that you can look at. Where where do you think you guys want to go with that? Well, I think with the way Sanchez pitched last year, I think we have to give him every opportunity to take that fifth spot down. And, and I'm I'm pretty positive that he will because he's uh, he's a different guy than he was a couple of years ago. You know, when we got him from Tampa Bay, he was high 90s uh, arm that couldn't throw strikes and now he's he's got this great feel this great pitch ability he's still 92 93 um but he throws strikes a great change up it's 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 a it's a weapon um so th- this kid really came on for me last year not only physically but mentally as well he can really handle the big moments and and he really kept his composure um so i, I you know for me if we were starting today he's our fifth starter Rob Thompson, a great manager of the Phillies, and you know, there's such a difference between fan bases that have to come into a season and say, uh, will we contend? Do we have a chance to contend? Or, or a team that goes, yeah, we know we're going to contend. Right. And, and that makes a manager's seat a little more comfortable, doesn't it? Yeah, no doubt. And, and um, you know, I like where we're at. And I think this is um, this is really, really good ball club that I think we are teetering on greatness because I always, I always tell the players, okay, if you make the playoffs, you're a good team. If you advance, you're very good or really good. You're not great until you win a world championship. And so I, I think we've we've got that in us. I think we've, um, I think there are just um, really good days ahead for for the Philly organization, not just this year, but I think in the future as well. Rob, uh, thanks so much for uh, joining the Mike Misnelli podcast. I know uh, uh, spend and you know have some uh, spending the rest of your your time up in Canada with even without the snow because that's got to be. It's going to weigh on you mentally. That's unnatural <laughs> to be in Canada and have no snow, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's, like, it's like being in Alaska and seeing the sun come out every day. Thanks, Rob. We appreciate right. it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mike. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Well, we hope you enjoyed that conversation with Phil Skipper Rob Thompson on the special Mike Missanelli podcast for today, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Everybody have a great weekend and look forward to more podcasts as we break into New Year 2024, right here on the Bet Rivers Network. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.